0: What's up everybody? My name is David EJ Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter and welcome to training camp dialed in. Man, it feels good. It just feels so good to be back guys. August. It feels so far away and then it's here. It's like out of nowhere. Football is back. I mean, football is, is back. I don't know if you're walking around, you're thinking it's not back but it is. Let me, I'm just here to tell you that it is. And guess what? Today, you're getting a podcast that is quintessential for your fantasy season. They talk about heavy hitters. We have one today. In fact, he's so big, I'm even cutting down on my usual pre-interview nonsense that I like to think people tune in for. Sometimes. Sometimes. Occasionally. There's a few fans out there that want to hear my spiel, but I'm realistic. You'll want the fantasy in information and today of all days we gotta get to it we're talking about the cincinnati Bengals today we have to get to it okay because i as i told him in the interview we've got some nfl reporting royalty here i dialed up ben baby he covers the Bengals for a little outfit called espn the four letter this is big time you can find him at ben underscore baby on twitter and not only Are we going to get the definitive guide to the 2022 Cincinnati Bengals? We're also going to get some insights on Ben's playlist. This is exciting stuff. Again, follow him at Ben underscore baby. But what you really should do, go to ESPN.com. Read his work. The guy is working hard out there for the football fans to know what's going on with their team, not just from a fantasy perspective, but to know what's going on in general. So go to ESPN.com. Read his work. So what are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Baby there it is how's it going hey ben how are you good how are you doing good good man i'm excited to talk about uh this Bengals squad once again with you thank you so much and uh you know a lot has happened since we last spoke Uh, last year this team went to the super bowl ben i don't know if you know that i'm sure you do (laughs) Um, pretty amazing uh what was that what was that like and was there like a moment during the season where you actually thought hey this might actually be a possibility
1: uh i i remember joking after i think it was that when they came out of the bye week it felt like people were so reactionary on what how because the, the Bengals were kind of streaky in that year i joked after they beat the raiders in vegas uh i said "Oh, you know go ahead and book your super bowl tickets uh as a joke because that se- seemed to be how the reaction kind of spun in cincinnati and then sure enough after a few weeks i was like okay um, they might be good, but really, I, I think it wasn't until the Kansas City game, once they clinched the AFC North, when I thought, OK, this team could be really good for them to basically beat Kansas City in the manner they did uh, not get, you know, looks like they're about to get boat raced and they ended up uh, able to come back in the second half. And then, you know, for them to, to kind of beat Kansas City at their own game to a degree and that, you know, going out, airing it out as much as they did, not being afraid of kind of uh, of dropping back and, and, and passing the ball a lot. I thought that was interesting. Obviously, that offensive line could not hold up through the entirety of the postseason. But I think that was when you started to see that team could, could potentially be very good. But even looking back, I'm stunned that that team uh, not only played for a Super Bowl, but arguably should have won the Super Bowl uh, I think that's kind of the most surprising thing, and it's still a lot for me to wrap my head around.
0: Well, I think it's a lot for everyone to wrap their heads around, uh, and obviously there's been a, a seismic shift in how fantasy gamers view and are talking about this team. In fact, last year it was a bit tongue-in-cheek, but this year, if you're into fantasy football, they truly are our Bengals. Uh, and let's look back and review exactly why this team exploded into the top 10 in total points scored, finishing 7th. They were also 7th in y- yards per play in total passing yards, 13th in total yards overall. Now, here's the kicker, Ben. This team did all that while only running the 26th most plays, so prolifically efficient in a lot of ways. Some argue it's unsustainable, but others say it won't matter because the play volume will rise. From what you've seen in hurting camp, what should we expect from this offense now that it's been a bit more established? Uh, Should we expect more plays? Are we seeing any new wrinkles in scheme, formations, tendencies? What what's this offense in twenty twenty two going to look like?
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting when you look at the overall rates. Like wh- yards per play is probably one of my favorite stats because it is a differentiator and it is it's a great equalizer when you look at you know how efficient an offense is. What's interesting though is even that can be a little deceiving, especially when you look at the Bengals team because last year they feasted on big plays. In twenty twenty, you know Joe Burrow's first year, that was a team that was very much. Uh, not able to create those explosive plays. They draft Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow gets healthy. All of a sudden that changes. Now the flip side of that is, is that they were very big play reliant. And that is kind of the unsustainability in that offense. When you look at those rates and when you, it's interesting you pointed out, the the you know the numbers and the, and the points that are coming off of a very low play total it's because you're seeing a lot of those big plays through the area I think Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals led the NFL in uh, yards per attempt which goes to show you how how much they were able to get those yards through the air and then as as the season progressed especially we saw it in the postseason when teams looked to take away the big plays the Bengals really struggled I thought that the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, quite honestly, in spite of their offense. They were very much, during that Super Bowl run, the defense is what enabled them to be so uh, close to winning it all. Uh, Had that offense been any better in the championship game, I think that that would have been, the differentiator. And, and quite honestly, that's what should have happened. And, and I thought the defense played well enough to win the Super Bowl. So for the Bengals being able to be better in the red zone, being able to finish drives, being able to sustain drives, those are all going to be key factors in this offense. And, and I, I think that, you know, looking at how teams defend Jamar chase will be the, the, the key factor, the X factor for fantasy managers in general, because, you know, if the, if the Bengals are not allowed to get those big plays through the air, get, all those plays on go routes, Jamar chase and go routes were the most productive routes of any receiver in the NFL last year, according to NFL next gen. So, that is going to be kind of the thing that if that gets taken away, what does that do for the rest of the offense? Are they able to be a little bit more balanced? Are we going to see maybe more passing routes through Joe Mixon? Are we going to see uh, Tyler Boyd's usage increase, T. Higgins' usage increase? Uh, what does Hayden Hurst look like in this offense? So all of these things are yet to be determined, but I think if you're the Bengals, you're looking at saying, okay, they're expecting defenses to play more cover to more two high shells. So how is that going to maybe increase the usage for the other receivers and that's what's going to make it so interesting from a fantasy perspective
0: yeah i know that uh those cover two shells that's uh been a pretty effective in stopping Mahomes, if i'm i'm correct uh it, it stands to reason that that's you know going to get applied to uh burrow and chase uh so very interesting ben uh we're off to a hot start here let's dig a little bit into joe burrow you know he's the he's the man Ben. Uh, last year, the, the big talk was his health. Now it's all about his play. An underdog, the fantasy app, his avatar is him swagged out. Not his team headshot, it's him in glasses and his fur coat. Uh, so this guy's uh, got a lot of respect. Uh, he's a baller. And uh, he currently goes in the QB 5-8 to range in 2021. He threw for just over 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns. Despite the Bengals being 20th in pass attempts, uh, they were also in the bottom of neutral pass rate for most of the season until the last month when they were more in the middle of the pack which also coincided with some eruption games for this offense, winning people millions of dollars uh, in DFS. Uh, I wish one of those people was me, but it was not. Joe's recently had an appendectomy, which of course we'll want some insight on. Once he gets over that, should we expect some more pass volume this year that could truly unlock Burrow's ceiling?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, so far for in the camp, all we've seen out of Burrow is him trying to figure out what he wants to drive, uh, whether it be a scooter or a medical card after he had had his appendectomy right before the start of camp. And, and right now, we it's get to be seen if he's going to practice in camp. You know, by the time y'all listen to this, you know, but he might be back out there because it remains a day to day proposition. I, I don't expect him to play in the first preseason game, and then we'll kind of go from there. But in terms of the passing volume throughout the year, I think that. You know, I, I, it was actually probably lower than I expected, given what we saw in 2020 uh, pre-injury. You know, we saw them throw it a ton. I think that also had to do with the Bengals being down in games. So I think it depends on if the Bengals are able to be uh, playing from, you know, from a, a good position, you may see them try to drain the clock a little bit, maybe play, play the game situation a little bit more. And if the Bengals are in tight games, uh, they will probably be in, uh, you know, may throw the ball a lot. This year, with the Bengals being uh, getting that first place schedule, you're going to see a lot of competitive games, some very tough games. I think that you could see a higher passing volume, especially later in the year, as the schedule gets tougher. You've got Buffalo, you've got Tampa Bay on uh, the back end of that schedule when, when fantasy managers will be in the postseason. So, you know, this may be a long play for, for some fantasy managers because you look at the beginning of the schedule. Uh, the Bengals should, uh, you know, I think they should be, you know, have a potential to go four and zero going in and be undefeated, going into that first Baltimore game uh, in the regular season. So you may not see a lot of Joe Burrow passing volume, but as the games get more difficult, that passing volume may increase. So I think you may have to kind of hedge your bets there, obviously, uh, you know, with the big play potential out of this offense, even if Burrow is not throwing the ball a lot. You know, he he is going to be somebody who could give you a a good amount of touchdowns. That interception rate, he managed that very well, especially uh, towards the back half of the year. It's funny, at the beginning of the season, we're wondering why he was throwing as many interceptions as anybody in the NFL. And I have a hunch that, you know, after he he was coming off the knee injury, he worked on adding the velocity. And, and, you know, I think it it was him trying to figure out, okay, how aggressive can he be? Can he challenge some of these tight windows and, and how tight is too tight? And so now I think he, he got a very good understanding of that. So I, I think that that touchdown to interception ratio that we saw in the back half of the season – Will be sustainable, So I think he is going to be a very solid fantasy option, obviously, you know, outside of the top three or four guys, you know, what is that five to eight range worth on draft day when you're drafting? I think that's going to be the big question mark. Uh, but he is going to be a very valuable ad. I think a guy that you will be comfortable rostering and you will get very good production out of compared to some of the other guys in that five to eight range. So I think that's someone that you you should really feel good about drafting if he's on the board in the right draft slot.
0: I have seen uh, the cartwatch watch uh, on your Twitter, I realize. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, give Ben a follow at Ben underscore baby. This guy is uh, fantastic. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's giving you the hardcore insights, but also having fun with camp uh, as well. Obviously, the key to keeping Burrow healthy is a good line. Uh the line obviously gets a lot of you know flack in all football circles. Uh, Burrow was famously sacked 134 times in the playoff game against the Titans. That number might be made up, but it certainly felt that high. Uh, but I do feel like they've made adjustments and brought in some new guys to uh shore it up. Uh how is that line gelling Ben?
1: Oh, uh, it, it's so far it's still hard to get a really good analysis on how good that line is going to be because of uh, injuries and and quite honestly lyle collins uh, still is not practice in camp he said he he said he nicked his back uh during the offseason. so hence him being on the pup that could change any day now when when he feels like he's ready to, to get some training camp reps in but you know they got him to play right tackle uh you got alex kappa who they signed basically the second the tampering window open or the negotiation window, excuse me, open during free agency would show that they knew that that line had to be better. He'll be playing right guard. And then Ted Karras, a, a very reliable offensive line in the last few years will be at center. Uh, the big qu- question is going is what is left guard going to look like? Can Jackson, Carmen, uh, be a sustainable uh, option out there. You know, they expect Jonah Williams to play well at left tackle. He's going to be the only returning starter from last year's offensive line, uh, which tells you everything you need to know about that unit. So I think it's going to take some time for them to kind of find their footing. If they can, you know, maybe get some good reps together as a unit, the last couple of weeks of training camp, that could be a good sign. Obviously having a, a pretty weak uh, start to the year will help them out uh, when you look at it, the Miami defense is going to test them a little bit. I think they've got a very strong defense uh, early on in the year. I believe that's a week three game, if I'm not mistaken, a Thursday night football game, actually week four, excuse me, uh, that'll be. Uh, so I think that's going to be probably one of, a, a tough challenge for them. But by and large, uh, th- this offensive line should be better than it was the year before. And honestly, I think you, you would like to see more progression out of Burrow and saying, OK, this is probably, you know, that that risk. Of how long do I hold the ball versus how long do I want to make plays? We saw that in the postseason, a lot of him being pretty aggressive, which led to uh, the good amount of the sacks. So maybe that gets pared down a little bit. But I, I think at the beginning of the season, we shouldn't we should expect the offensive line to be a lot better. I think it's at the end of the year. You know how much will those guys hold up? Uh, that's going to be be the X factor.
0: Well, something to monitor all month uh, and into the season. Uh thank you for that, Ben. Uh, next up, uh, you know, we we got some fantasy headliners here to talk about uh in the wide receiver room, uh the boom boom room, I like to call it here in uh, Cincinnati. Uh Jamar Chase uh solidified first round pick. Uh he he torched that can't catch narrative to the tune of eighty-eight. Catches over 1,400 yards and 13 TDs last year on 128 targets. T Higgins doesn't go long after he went for 74,000 and six TDs in a hot and cold season. Uh, I think it's safe to say, barring injury, these guys are both hitting over 1,000 yards receiving again. I I mean, that just seems like they would, but it's those, those ceilings to get drafters juices flowing. Should drafters temper their expectations a bit, or uh, will Galaxy Brains be broken by their production this year, Ben?
1: I would venture to guess that the production would, for both of that, at the end of the year, will be will look solid. Now, I think the thing that fantasy managers will have to navigate is that there will be some boom or bust periods for both of those guys, as we saw last year. Uh, because, you know, and, and here's the question mark, is that Jamar Chase obviously is one of the best receivers in the NFL, but the Bengals showed last year they're not going to force it if it's not there. And that will lead to greater production for T. Higgins because that should free things up for him as well and Tyler Boyd on that end, I think to a lesser degree because we saw that even when, when teams gave uh, Jamar Chase a ton of attention, the guy who benefited the most was T. Higgins. Is specifically, if you look through weeks 8 through 14 – nearly half of t higgins's overall season production came on that end and what we saw was the teams really weren't respecting jamar chase a lot at the beginning of the year the Bengals openly wondered hey when are they going to double team jamar chase you know you they don't seem to be rolling a lot of safety help over the top so we're just going to keep throwing it to him until teams really want to start playing him that way and whenever they did t higgins ended up popping off i think there was a, a stretch last year where he had three straight 100-yard games. Uh, the, the the target share was off the charts. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase, during that same time, I believe between weeks 8 and 14 during the regular season, only had one game of 10 targets or more, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it, I believe 10 catchers or more for certain. So that tells me that T. Eggins' ADP maybe a little bit lower than what you would want it to be. You know, I think health is going to be the big thing coming off labrum surgery. We still haven't seen him work into team drills. But, you know, I think the thing is he played with that injury during that back half of the year and was phenomenal uh, in terms of production value. Had a very big game in the Super Bowl, which also goes to show that Jamar Chase didn't have a, a massive Super Bowl because teams were looking to take him away. And, and, you know, when Los Angeles was keyed in on taking away Chase, Higgins had a very good game, specifically had that big catch for a touchdown at the beginning of the second half. So if I'm a fantasy manager, I look at it and I look at the raw numbers and I go, OK, Jamar Chase had a massive year. But when you really dig into the details, that ADP was really high and the Bengals because they have a really good second receiver. They're not going to force the issue. Into you know, maybe getting the ball to their wide receiver one. I think when they drafted Higgins as well, they felt like he was a guy who could be a wide receiver one. And I think he definitely can be in that regard. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how how those guys go off the boards on, on when when people are drafting them. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Higgins probably has a greater value than people realize. And Chase, because of that year, maybe overvalued. That's just me personally, uh, because I feel like the Bengals aren't going to be the type of team that's going to force uh, targets to one guy, even though they know that he's that good. So I, I feel like because you've got all these options, it's going to really create a lot of volatility and target share for this team, which makes it, you know, fantasy managers may have to grit it out some weeks, but then some weeks you're going to see Jamar Chase put up just otherworldly performances like he did against Baltimore, like he did against Kansas city. And those are the kind of games when you're drafting them uh, those are the ceilings that you're hoping for.
0: Do you feel like uh, the 128 targets for Chase uh is that a good mean? Uh, like he's not going to be like a 140, 150 target guy, you know, moving forward uh you know, this season and maybe beyond.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably fair and like I said, I think the the overall it should average out like you said. I think the the you know, you're looking for solid mean production, good end of year production. You are going to get that. The weekly fluctuations though, they may vary Uh, significantly and so that's going to be the one thing you will have to kind of kind of grit your teeth on on game days if you're a fantasy manager but overall both of those guys should have very good numbers by the end of the year and I expect kind of the numbers that we saw for for Higgins Chase and Boyd to be pretty similar where you're going to see Jamar and Higgins uh, or or Jamar and T go over a thousand yards Tyler probably a shade under uh those i think that's pretty reliable when you look at it i think that it should play out pretty similarly in 2022
0: Well, you mentioned Tyler Boyd. He's kind of the steady Eddie for this team. Uh, And like you said, he almost had a thousand yards himself last year, uh, simply by being good and on this offense, Uh, should that continue? It sounds like it. uh, And any other wide receivers popping up at all? You know, this is uh, a very, you know, explosive offense. Uh, Maybe chase is covered, but uh, you know, there's someone that's standing out that could, uh, you know, suck up some targets uh, and hit pay dirt from uh, Mr. Burrow.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I I would not draft anybody outside of the top three in those receivers there is no clear wide receiver four. There's actually a very steep drop-off of one of those guys gets hurt. Uh, you know, you're really – I think the Bengals will be struggling to find any, any level of um, production out of the line of scrimmage from their guys. You know, right now they've got a lot of undrafted rookies who, who could potentially slot in at wide receiver four, some veterans in Mike Thomas and Stanley Morgan who haven't really been given a lot of reps. Uh, offensively over the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I think there is a lot of hesitation after those top three. But like I said, if Chase, if defenses do key in on Chase, then you know, we will see, I think, uh, T Higgins be the beneficiary of that. And that's why I like his you know where, where he's going to end up being i feel like whatever his adp is i wouldn't be afraid to go a little higher and reach uh in draft to take t higgins because of what he can do what he can provide and especially when you look at his his frame his his length uh, he's a guy who can go up and and really make contested catches uh you know i think that he's very explosive built a lot like aj green uh, when they got him a very much a like for like replacement Uh, And so it it is going to be really fascinating to see how that plays out on draft day. But I I think the number one beneficiary, if Chase does get more attention, is going to be T. Higgins.
0: Well, uh, let's hope uh, our Bengals stay healthy here uh, and we get this uh, this machine to, to light up our lineups. Uh, when we talk about the running back room in Cincinnati, of course, we're talking about Joe Mixon. Uh, and when fantasy gurus or analysts, whatever you want to call them, talk about Joe, they think he's good at real-life football. But for our fake football team, Ben, he's just not used enough in the past game to get super excited about. Now, if they do throw more or you know, have to be in these competitive games, uh, could Mixon's usage and therefore his numbers dip or could he be in the mix more than we think uh you know what have you seen and heard uh, about this so far yeah you know we saw last year whenever they they
1: split mixing out a good amount uh they enjoyed putting him kind of on that outside receiver position where they went out of empty which is one of joe burrow's preferred formations out of 11 personnel where you've got three receivers and one tight end and one running back but i asked zach taylor point blank in in uh during otas because i knew fantasy managers wanted to know is Joe Mixon going to get more targets in the passing game. And Zach Taylor said, essentially, where are those targets going to come from? And so, you know, for those of you looking for more, I mean, he basically, he kind of asked it back to me saying, basically, if if you want more targets, where are you going to get those from? we got three wide receivers in Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, who we just talked about here, uh, who who are very good. We feel like we've got one of the best receiving uh, rooms in the NFL. So, If we are going to give Joe Mixon more targets, that comes at the cost of some of the other guys on the roster. And so that is the issue with Mixon. Now, his touchdown rate was very good. I feel like he had quietly had a very strong year uh, on the ground. His usage rate was one of the highest in the NFL on first and second downs. And I think it's very much, uh, and I talked to a guy on staff about this, when you're looking at it, because trying to gauge, okay, where are those mixing targets going to come from? You know, are they going to increase his usage on third downs, especially neutral third downs, not rush-heavy third downs, because that doesn't really do fantasy managers any good. You know, if you want to see a Joe Mixon higher uh, third-down share well, if it's third and one, third and two, those are run downs. That's not really going to help you a whole lot. And those one or two yards aren't going to be good uh fantasy value, um, you know, for you. You want him on the field on third and five, third and sixes, third and sevens, where he could potentially get those targets, really third and four and beyond. Uh that's a realistic, you know, down where your back will get a, a target. I just don't see it because of how much they use him on first and second down. So the real X factor is: can another running back? take Joe Mixon's first and second target share. I think if that happens, or down chair, if they can take, his, uh, take him off the field on first and second downs, it creates the likelihood that you can put him on the field on third downs or more. Realistically, there's really only one guy you would imagine who could take those snaps, and that's Chris Evans, was a rookie last year and who was a guy who, who really looked a lot like Giovanni Bernard and, and when they drafted him he got the same number built the same way you know he had a really nice touchdown out of the backfield against Detroit and showed you what he could do vertically in the passing game who I think could be their best passing option as a running back but if he's on the field more on first and second down or even Samaje Piran get some of those snaps then you can entertain the idea of Mixon being on the field on third down. So this is a very convoluted formula. There's so many moving parts into it. In the, so long story short, I am still very hesitant that Mixon will get those uh, those targets on first and second downs or in the passing game in general, even though he is very proficient because of what he does on the ground because of how good he is on the ground and how good the rest of the Bengals receivers are. If they didn't have Jamar Chase, they didn't have T. Higgins, they didn't have Tyler Boyd, uh, they didn't have Hayden Hurst. Quite frankly, I'd be, I'd be, I'd feel better about Mixon getting more targets. But because the Bengals have really surrounded Burrow with a lot of good passing options outside of Mixon, it doesn't really make sense to take those targets away and and really you put them on the field on third downs in general. And, and Mixon is so good on first and second downs. It's just – it's a victim of circumstance, I think, when you look at it because were Joe Mixon on another team that didn't maybe have the receivers as good as the, the one the Bengals have, he would definitely be using the passing game and he'd be a great option for fantasy managers. I think he'd be a guy who would go off the board really early because he's so good in space. He's so tough to bring down. I mean, I was watching, you know, just just tape off the, the Tennessee Titans game in the, divisional, in the divisional round of the playoffs last year – and there was a play where where Mixon got the ball out of the backfield, and, and it looked like that might be a nine-yard gain. And there were three guys in there; one guy bounced off, and nobody could really bring him down. And you know they just had to run him out of the run him out of bounds because of how physical he is and how much steam he gets going downhill. I mean, it's a very tantalizing prospect. To have him in the in the passing game, but when you look at it, all things considered, I just don't see that target share really increasing.
0: Showing once again why you're one of the best in in the biz uh, here, Ben. Uh, I think that that uh, really you know kind of reframed the mix in uh, pass catching talk uh, in in a good way. I think uh, you know a a lot of it in the fantasy community they kind of spin it like you know they just don't want to throw to this guy or don't trust him. But uh, I think you know what you've laid out uh, makes a lot more sense. And um, how are things? Uh, between you and Mister Mixon, and Ben, uh, all all good.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm sure. we're, we're we're fine. We'll put it <laughs> that way.
0: Okay, great. You mentioned Chris Evans already, and I don't want to get uh, you know too deep into it, uh, but I did see you had a pro Chris Evans tweet the other day uh, for fantasy, and it sounds like you know he's surging. Maybe ahead of P Ryan, uh, could you just quickly touch on that?
1: So Zach Taylor actually said that it was the other way around that P Ryan was still going to be kind of their their running back too. Uh, really a guy they like in pass protection a lot, uh, so he will be on the field on third downs. But when you looked at kind of the the route distribution, the target distribution, there wasn't a massive difference between Mixon and P Ryan. So what that tells us is that even though Piran was on the field on third downs, primarily he was in there for pass protection. Uh, very rarely are we – I mean, the the, split sh- the shares in their routes and in their targets I don't think are substantial enough that we're going to see a lot of uh, Samaje Piran getting the ball when he's on the field on third down. If he's on the field, it's going to be primarily as a pass protector. Now, Chris Evans, I think it's going to be – you know Zach Taylor talked about – well, you know, P. Ryan is going to be the, you know, the number two, but that's what training camp is for. He's a guy who could, you know, potentially, uh, you know, Chris Evans, if he has a good camp, uh, he's a guy who maybe solidifies himself a little bit more in the kick return game, especially if Brandon Wilson isn't healthy. He'll, he'll be a guy that they have to, you know, keep on the uh, on, you know, active on game days. And, and he will be someone that, that you need to find some usage for him. And when you look at the yards per per, I guess the the route depth on on, you know, when they're targeted, it Chris Evans is the only guy who is really substantial. Everybody else basically are getting check downs. Whereas Chris Evans, you know, he is a little bit past the line of scrimmage. On, on his target. So that tells me that vertically, he's a guy who is a legitimate passing option when he's on the field. Uh, we saw that, like I said, he had a he had a phenomenal catch for a touchdown against Detroit uh last year. Fantasy managers go and look it up. He's a guy who, who kind of looked like a wheel route and he extended and 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 you know looked like a ball that was a little overthrown and he was able to make that play. And that shows you that he has the capability to do that. So uh he's a guy who who is very solid. I think that if I was going to draft another running back and take a flyer late, I would draft Evans over Pirine because of this passing usage.
0: Yeah, I, I had to double check here, but I believe he had over 10 yards uh, per catch last season it's a small sample size. Uh, but uh, yeah, Evans kind of a, a my guy for me. Might be on one of my teams already. Well, it's round to the finish though, Ben. In the tight end room, you know, this room remains the least sexiest for fantasy gamers uh, on this team. CJ Uzoma went to the Jets, but in comes Hayden Hurst, as you mentioned, who seems like a really great guy, but uh, not, not a great fantasy producer, uh, really, in college or in the pros, what do you think of the chances of the Bengals having a fantasy relevant tight end?
1: I kind of like them to be quite honest. Uh, I think you can. I think out of it won't be in traditional usage. You see, I think chunk plays will be where Hayden can really, um, really make his value. So if you're in a PPR league, you know it may still may be a hesitant play. But when you look at it, that's another guy who can stretch the field vertically, and especially if you're going to play, if you're going to see a lot of cover two looks. And they're in. And teams and safeties are really going to try to take away uh, the, you know, the, the the boundaries and really, especially on those go routes for Higgins and Chase. You can see, I can see scenarios where Hayden Hurst is really able to go up the seam and kind of split that zone coverage and really, really be, you know, a viable option and create some big plays in, the, in that in that range. And I think he's definitely a more fluid guy, a more a, a better passing option. Than CJ Uzama was uh, for the Bengals. I think Uzama did a lot of good things, did a lot of did a lot of dirty work. He was a guy who was really tough to bring down when he got the ball, and and was a very valuable and probably underrated part of this offense, which is why the Jets paid him what they paid him in free agency. But I, I think that from a fantasy standpoint, I, I am very curious to see if Hayden, because of just the way he's built, the way he move, way he moves, and the usage that he could provide to this offense. I think it could be very sneaky. Now the question is, it's the same problem we have with Mixon. Is that who's you know how many targets can you realistically get for you to feel like okay this is a guy we want? I mean the Bengals play a lot of eleven personnel, which means there's only going to be one tight end on the field, which means he, he will be on the field you know uh, more than other tight ends in the league. The issue is because it's not a offense predicated around a lot of tight end routes. You're maybe not going to get as many targets, so that's the that's the problem with him. I, I think that that being said, there could be an opportunity for more explosive plays, for more vertical routes for Hurst, especially down the seams, and, and basically maybe keep those you know teams defending the hashes a little bit more you know defending up and down the middle of the field a little bit more and keeping defenses honest so it does open up the sidelines for Higgins and Chase to kind of run rampant and do what they do best. So that that is a very intriguing option. I'm very curious to see what hearst is going to look like. And I I wouldn't be if there are really no other good tight ends on the board and, and you feel good about receiver I would feel okay in the later rounds taking a flyer on Hayden Hurst because of the the upside that he could provide.
0: Well, we are bullish on Hayden Hurst. That's great to hear. A lot of people are are in underdog slow drafts right now, uh, probably deep in the deep in the in the draft, and uh, they're about to smash drafts on Hayden Hurst. Thank you, Ben. We got one last question, uh, but it's a bit of a toughie. What's your hottest or boldest? Let's say boldest, boldest fantasy take for the Bengals in 2022.
1: Oh, that is a that is a good one because it's 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 so tough. I feel it's like evaluating stocks, the speculation. You just feel like you feel like you're just gonna get burned in, in a fantasy take. But I, I do think that this year, I, I think T. Higgins probably will be the underrated. I think his ADP will be better than Jamar Chase's ADP, uh, if that makes sense in terms of value. Like I said earlier, I think that Jamar Chase will go higher. He will be be productive. But because of uh, a lot of people thinking he is one of the best receivers in the league, and I think he is one of the best receivers in the league, I think you're going to see him fly off the board early, and T. Higgins may be around a little bit later. And because he's kind of in that Jamar Chase shadow, uh, a lot of people may not really realize how good Higgins can be. But we saw last year that whenever teams gave Jamar a ton of attention, t higgins eight like he was a guy that i drafted for that reason and at the end of the year it really played out really well now granted at the beginning of the year it kind of hurt me uh, not drafting jamar while he was on the board taking t higgins instead kind of being the galaxy brain guy uh that did not bode all that well for me at the beginning of the year but at the end uh when when defenses finally realized jamar chase was good t higgins you know did really well so i think t higgins will actually have a very, very good fantasy year, a guy who, who might be worthy of I, – I don't think you should drop any later than the second round. I think that if you need a receiver, he's on the board. Go ahead and take him. And rostering both of those guys, honestly, I would – if you can get Jamar Chase in the first round and T. Higgins in the second round, I would do that instantly. You're getting 2,000-yard receivers, not many offenses around the NFL, You know, maybe maybe the Chargers – or one that can put them up. Uh, we'll see in Buffalo if that combination uh, of Diggs and Gabriel Davis maybe is, is a sneaky one that can put up 1,000 yards as well. But I, I think that it's going to be very fascinating to see. And, and I like the idea of stacking. You know, in, a, in the very now, when you have offenses that are built to throw the ball a lot, I don't find any hesitation in stacking You know, receivers and saying, okay, because you know both those guys are going to be 1,000-yard receivers. Um, you know that offenses are going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, So, you know, I think that T Higgins quite might be one of the the best fantasy steals for uh, for anybody uh, in drafts this year.
0: Ben, this has been amazing. Uh, I honestly I mean, right now you are royalty uh, in many circles. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, to speak with me. Um, I mean, this was incredible. Uh, He's at ben underscore baby he works for espn you might have heard of that little outfit go to espn.com read his work uh give him a follow ben real quick anything you're listening to we always talk a little music uh anything on your playlist you know i've been i've been
1: really uh i been i've been digging into house music a good amount uh that's kind of what because i've been running a lot more and so as much as i love texas country it's really hard to run to it uh so one of my favorite djs right now in the uk joel Corey. uh he's been on a lot of good collabs i think that there's been a lot of good uh, you know it's been f- interesting to watch a shift in pop music really over the last twelve months we saw this uh, really with Beyonce's album when she just came out kind of the amount of house I- I electronic influences that's really dominating the pop charts uh, it's been really fascinating to watch but you know off the top of my head I, I think that you know basically right now whatever's on that kind of mid playlist on Spotify it's really been dominating uh, what I've liked uh, you know I will say uh, I did give you the Turnpike Troubadour's Wreck. I believe that it's turned out pretty well. I do like Charlie Crockett. I, I do. He's a he's a guy very much. It's a it's an older sound, a very good sound. Uh, I like him. And the Vandaliers, I believe they've been touring with Turnpike, and I've gotten into them. Someone described them as a cross between kind of bluegrass and like Irish, uh, um, like um, uh, the like the Molly's to a degree, or the Dropkick Murphys, uh, mixed with mixed with the country twinge. Uh, It's been very interesting. I kind of like the Vandaliers a lot. It's a very interesting sound. Uh, I I would check them out. Uh, Both of those bands, I I think, are are very good. So right now, I'm I'm across all spectrums, uh, just trying to get in what I can, especially when I'm not taking in uh, good podcasts that are going to get me ready for the NFL
0: season. I absolutely love it. We will all check that out. And uh, thank you once again, and uh, have a a great season. Thanks
1: so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's always, always a pleasure.
0: T. Higgins, smash. Season, you are now dialed in.